business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Welcome to the Agency Bud podcast. On the show, we talk to agency owners and business owners, CEOs, startup founders about their biggest challenges, what makes them tick, and how they got their agencies or businesses to scale and grow. Overcoming challenges, it's what we do. Let's find out about these business owners. You can follow along with every episode at podcast.agencybud.com. We'd love to have you on board. Agency Bud is the platform for delivering increased revenue to businesses and agencies. Find out more at agencybud.com. Let's go and meet our special guest for today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Today I have an incredibly special guest, the CEO, founder and director of one of the best marketing uh, marketing agencies out of India. This man and his agency has worked with clients like Amazon, like Forbes of India. He's represented authors. He's spoken on stages across the world. He's grown an incredible team out to 31 people and he is a child at heart, as he describes himself, but a marketeer by profession. It is none other than the amazing Himal Majithia. Himal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Walter. Thanks for inviting. It's lovely to see you on the show, man. Now, you've had some incredible success with, with your agency, which is Octobuzz. You've had some amazing clients that you've represented over the years, starting back in 2013, yeah. as I did my research there. How did you get started into the whole space of marketing? Okay, I've been, uh, like, you know, I've completed my MBA in marketing. Uh, so, I mean, there was a knack for marketing uh, from first. I had decided that I wanted to get into marketing mm. all the time. And, uh, I mean, it was interesting that I got a job at a company, uh, uh, like, you know, in my MBA. Uh, let me tell you the story. In my MBA, I got uh, a job, uh, zero-day placement uh, in a company uh, which was into ERP systems, etc., and I had to kind of like, you know, handle their uh, marketing module for ERP and travel around the world and kind of like, you know, work on that. It was a very interesting opportunity. I took that job up, but uh, surprisingly didn't. Uh, I got the offer letter also, got the appointment letter. But because of the recession going on, I didn't get called for because they had laid off 800 people from the company at that point. Wow. Time. And it got me thinking, uh, like, you know, what I really want to do, whom I want to work with, should it be a big company, a small company? And that's the time, uh, like, you know, I got to understand something. One of my mentors basically told me something that, uh, Hamil, why don't you look at a person whom you can work under rather than a company? And, you know, that was a very good moment in my life where I uh, basically understood that. And I started working with this company called Freedom Financial Planners at that point of time, which was... Uh, a front runner and a pioneer in fee-based financial planning for people. There, there was a team of three people. I was the fourth person who joined. The uh, CEO of that company was the deputy CEO of uh, ING Vesya uh, uh, company before that. And I wanted to work under him. I wanted to learn from him. It wasn't learning from the company, but from the people that was important. I think I've learned some of my key lessons uh, in marketing from him. He is a brilliant marketer. And uh, he gave me a lot of exposure there. So that's how the journey began in marketing. And uh, after that, uh, apparently, Facebook was coming up with pages for the first time. And, you know, the digital market bought with me. And I said, you know, that is something I definitely want to do. And I started working. I started reading a little bit. And uh, there was a common friend who uh, 
uh, had somebody who has who who had an agency uh, which was into events, films, and design. They're not into digital, but he had a client who was asking him if somebody can do uh, like you know digital and social media specifically for him. And that's the time uh, I mean I went met him and I said you know what I have read sixty percent of it and executed forty percent of it. Will it be okay? And he said yeah, hop on. He had a team of around 150 people at that point of time and wow. i along in partnership with him started a company kind of which was uh, uh, the like you know one of the first social media digital marketing agencies at that point of time and uh, we grew from there and we worked with a lot of clients after around one and a half years uh, i realized that the visions weren't really matching and the point of time uh, i uh, my wife basically uh told me like you know she pushed me to take this call she made me realize that like you know why don't you start your own company and like you know she was basically a gm of three companies at that point of time she was handling few wow. of the business mind and uh, i said why don't you also join up and let's start the company together i mean and uh she wasn't my wife by the way that kind of time we were just about to get married in a couple of months wow practically we were unemployed while we got married wow and uh, but one thing i uh, uh, like you know in financial planning which i had learned was that uh, you know one of the major reasons Walter, why people do not make a move to entrepreneurship or whatever they want to do in life uh, one of the key things that uh, we have understood in financial planning is planning or preparing for an emergency fund yep so let's say if somebody has like you know an emergency fund liquidity amount for wants not necessarily needs only for wants for around 8 months to a year you know that person can do anything he or she wants absolutely so i had prioritized at that point of time and gathered that fund for around 8 months and uh, we took this journey for octobers together i and my wife my boss and uh, we said let's begin this journey together and we started from our, our bedroom people start from the garage we didn't have a garage so we started from our bedroom and uh, bed was huge we apparently put a uh, plywood on top of it and like you know got like three to four people sit inside the room at that point of time wow. and that's how the journey for octobers began wow that's incredible so that that uh that scary time i guess every every entrepreneur goes through that that first scary time when okay it's just us now we need to right. go out and get some clients and we need to you know start to actually get a name out there in the industry how did you and your wife start those first few months with octobers how did you get it all going so uh uh one thing uh which we have been very clear of internally is that for us uh, the quality matters a lot a lot right. things a lot till today 80% of my business comes from word of mouth right. and uh, uh basically i mean we did a small survey recently and uh, we we just completed 7 years this year to year and we basically figured out uh, uh kind of like you know that 92.8% clients have been with us for more than 3 years wow and that's that's been something kind of like you know which we focus on uh, consciously uh, retention uh, and client happiness is a very important thing for us we go beyond lens for that at the same point of time so so that's what we said we would get our first client might be as small as it or as big as it is and we'll start from there apparently uh, we were talking to some of our contacts and we knew because that's how you begin you start from your first circle of influence right and the people uh, that you know the uh, contacts on your phone the absolutely. you know people you've worked with in the past those were the first people absolutely. you reached out to right but but we had this uh, 
uh, value and i had told my previous uh, uh, company owner partner that uh, whatever happens uh, like you know i'm not going to go to any of your clients or right. any of your like you know team members and post that because that was the company that i had set up yeah. and that was my baby too uh, so we said we started looking for very fresh clients so if clients reached out to us then we'll different thing uh, there was this uh, client called ashwin sanghi he is one of india's top authors he's one of the top five authors in india in fact he's been on new york times bestseller list couple of times he and james pedersen collaborate and write books together uh, so he was the one who kind of like you no know, trusted us first and i mean he's a client from the last 7 years wow uh, and after that uh, i mean like, so you've helped so, him get onto um, the bestseller list uh, i mean uh, he's his writing has done the job but definitely we have been with him throughout yes fantastic uh, we do his complete social website uh, performance marketing completely So actually and that brings me that brings me to a, a good point and I'll I'll come back to the story because I I want to dig into that a little bit more. Uh a, a lot of people that we speak to they they always describe their agency as a 360 degree agency. What does that mean to you? What, what what's your definition behind that? I think what that's a very good question. Apparently we started telling people that we are a 360 degree agency and I think we made a mistake out there. Uh you know Apparently, we have hardly a handful of people. We till today we do not say we are three sixty degree agency. We say we are a digital agency, and we provide these services because three sixty has so many things in it. I mean, so many, uh, and uh, we uh, like value uh, transparency and bold honesty is one of the most core values to us. And we honestly tell our clients, like you know, that you know, uh, these are the services that we outsource. and these are the services that are in house that we do and they in fact give us a plus point besides the negative out there and uh, we started by saying that we were 360 degree agency and like you know we used to outsource work to people whom we didn't know and we fell flat on our face at that point of time and that was a learning that we got that you know that's something that we shouldn't definitely yeah. do <laughs> uh, cool so so now you have a, you have your core specialties and then you're outsourcing uh the additional tasks that you need to do from there that sounds very smart so let's let's go back to uh your first client was was or one of the first clients was was the very famous author that you've helped there you're reaching out to your contacts how long did it take uh in terms of time for you and your wife to feel like yes we're we've we've made it we we're doing well uh not yet Not <laughs> okay. You've got Amazon <laughs> India listed on your on, on your books. You've got Forbes uh, uh, listed on your books, and you're not ready yet. Okay, there is so much that we want to do yet. I mean, okay. uh, uh, we we are a company which believes in culture first, and we are. I mean, uh, being a very small agency till now. I mean, we have been a part of documentary series on uh, like you know company cultures by CNA News Asia, and like you know they have one goal for that. uh apparently uh, culture is one of the most important things for us uh, uh we follow this gentleman called tony shay uh mm-hmm. from zappos a big fan of him and like you know have uh, got training under his uh, chief culture officer already kind of we like you know attended their seminars in india and uh, been in touch with them uh, to understand and kind of like you know work on a company culture there's so much that we want to do there there's so much that we haven't cracked uh, I mean, we could have been kind of like you no know, bigger agency right now. Already, we could have had like you no know, hundred people, hundred thirty people. We are going uh, slow and sustainable at this point of time. I mean, okay. the uh, the idea is that uh, if you basically start something, don't look back, and at the same point of time, 
sustainability is more important than speed for us. So for example, there is pandemic going out. I mean, everybody, every agency is kind of like, you know, going through a mixed bag, going through an up and down during this situation. Uh, we are happy to say that we haven't laid off any person uh, or we haven't cut anybody's salary or we haven't kind of like, you know, delayed anybody's salary at this point of time because uh, of the stability, because of the sustainability uh, uh, in terms of our work and how we are going ahead. And so does, uh, in fact, I mean, we are focused on our culture that point of time. Wow. So how does the sustainability, so that, that word, you've used it a few times in the last, in the last sentences yep. there. What, what specifically about the way that you run Octobuzz echoes that sustainability? Like what do you do specifically that makes that a, a core objective of what you're doing? So when it comes to sustainability, it, uh, uh, I mean, see, there are many uh, kind of like, you know, agencies whom we have seen uh, who have uh, started possibly uh, before us or with us or after us. And they've kind of like, you know, in terms of revenue or in terms of, uh, let's say, the number of people, they have gone up. Uh, and if you see the longevity, I mean, after that time, let's say I've seen a person, an, an agency coming from, like around 130 people uh, to 20 people now again. Right. Uh, I mean, we definitely don't want to go there. I mean, we want to go slow. We want to go sustainable. Uh, and uh, uh, like you said, the definition of sustainability I mean, is different for different people. But for us, it would be out here where finances, uh, like you know, are uh, a key point out here. Culture is a of key course. point out here. Mm-hmm. Processes and systems. Uh, there is chaos. I mean, let me uh, admit to it. There is chaos. It's an agency. Uh, all going bonkers sometimes. But, I'm happy to uh, hear that, by the way, because that, that makes a lot of people feel better. <laughs> yeah, there is chaos. I mean, you have to have creative chaos. Otherwise, the juices won't flow sometimes. Sure. But, you know, uh, uh, making those mistakes early and kind of like, you know, getting the processes set up, uh, system, getting the foundation strong, uh, and then basically scaling it up becomes much more easier. I mean, uh, we do it for kind of like, you know, our clients who are into performance marketing also. So the first three months, uh, the first cycle is when we try to crack a formula for them that like, you know, this is the A cost. Kind of, we don't only leave till the traffic comes, but go to the last mile in terms of understanding, okay, what is the A cost or average cost of sale? Once we have cracked that and kind of run a few cycles for them, now we know let's put gasoline on it. So, uh, so digging into that, so talking about the ACOS, the average cost of acquisition for a customer, when you're building that campaign yep. for, a, for a customer, um, you, you're, you're working that slowly before you ramp up the ad budget. So in other words, exactly. you know, we, we could throw $10,000 at this campaign hoping that it's going to work, or we can start with $100, get some sales in the door, prove our average cost of acquisition, make sure that it's sustainable. There's that word again, and then add the ten thousand dollars, knowing that we're going to end up Perfect. with results. Right. So, Absolutely. and how does that how does that work in terms of of staffing levels for you? So you're you're bringing in new clients, and obviously you've got a great retention of your current clients, which is terrific. How does that sustainability uh, affect your growth? You're not bringing on too many people too quickly, or you're making sure that you've got you know that uh, that next job before you've got the next staff member. How does that work for you internally? So, uh, like, you know, the client comes first or the employee is always a question. Yeah. It's a catch-22 situation out there and it's a question for everybody. Uh, but uh, uh, we have learned something out here that, like, you know, we started, we started, like, you know, hiring interns first. And, uh, like, you know, a lot of junior executives, because 
we started when we started in the beginning we didn't have too much money mm-hmm. uh, and we completely bootstrapped till now so the whole idea was that uh, while we got them you know we had to put in much more time at that point of time right. and slowly we learned uh, like you know four interns versus one person who is experienced you know same salary for four same work kind of why not hire experienced people yeah right now we kind of uh, uh, when it's on the design flow when it's on the a uh, creative flow we don't have one intern out in a company uh from a learning point of view it's a different story but uh, uh from an execution point of view you don't have anybody as an intern uh that basically helps us to put the best of the mind uh mm. to the clients now in terms of how do we sustain a cash flow if we are kind of like you know telling a client that just put 100 it's in the longevity of it i mean we definitely if the first two or three months we work hard and it's always an investment from our side to the client but sure. that's the reason why the clients are sticking by they know that we are not jumping and wasting the money i mean recently we were kind of closing a client and kind of like you know they told us that uh, we are happy that you're suggesting us this because there was an agency whom we worked with they kind of like you know charged us quite a lot but then uh, what ended up happening is they were just there for 3 months and that's possibly their aim was that like you know at least let's get them for the three months and yeah our aim would be to be with them for the longest time for three years not uh you know even before we have a review no i i completely understand absolutely so um you mentioned before and and you kind of you said it as a joke but you mentioned before that your wife is the boss right so um as absolutely. we look at as we look at the corporate structure within octobuzz uh and i noticed that it, it's got the two of you listed there as the co-directors um right. how did how did that relationship um affect the 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 working environment within Octobuzz was there was there a, a, an easy understanding between you both or did you kind of have to work that out as you went along so uh we dated for 7 years okay we got married okay and uh, i mean we had to make sure that kind of like you know we have the same level uh, when it comes to our wavelength and uh, uh i mean we were very clear one of the key values again in our relationship is over communication mm. uh i mean she knows what's happening in my day i know what's happening in my day or uh like you know we're very clear there is and we have gone uh, beyond uh, like you know to uh, generate that trust and that's where insecurities don't come i believe and uh, with that kind of uh, like you know uh, problems between both of us uh, are less to happen when it comes to an organization uh, but at the same point sir we made one mistake while we started when we started we were doing everything together you know that doesn't really work right. you have to divide the responsibilities well yeah and you do yours i trust you with that i do mine mm. you trust me with that and i think uh, that uh, like you know uh, equation has really worked well do you have is there a, a definite boss between you at work let's not talk about home because that's a different situation sure. but is there someone <laughs> is there is there one of the two of you in the office that is the end decision maker uh uh it, it's about kind of like you know uh, whoever has whatever responsibility that person is the end decision maker for that i mean for that project okay that then yeah Understood. so for example she handles the finance side and the uh, uh like you know human resource side and she handles the performance side i basically look at the business side business development side and the creative side so i mean this side creative side business development side my call is final on the other side human resource side finance side of course final fantastic so it's easy then 
Works well, works well. So now that now we're, we're starting to get some momentum, you, you know, you're bringing in those interns, as you said, and, and then realizing that cost effectiveness, you're better off with that more experienced kind of staffing person moving forward. How do you, you mentioned that most of your staff are handpicked. And I think we said that before we actually clicked on. Yeah. Yep. Um, so most of your staff is 31 strong now with Octobuzz and the staff are handpicked. How do you go about finding the right people for the roles at the right time? So uh, I'll be honest, we're still kind of like, you know, working on a couple of things that we want to reach, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll break it down for you. It's very interesting. Uh, apparently, uh, we are currently working on finalizing our value systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these values are not just like, you know, to write and put it down under a desk or like, you know, put it somewhere else. But uh, though every value will basically have a set of behaviors below them. Okay. And at the same point of time, uh, all these values basically uh, will have, uh, uh, like, you know, there will be questions in interviews related to those values. Right. And at the same point in time, these values will also lead to performance appraisal. So we know that they're following this. What ended up happening is that uh, while we recruit people, uh, the first gen or the first line in command who's working with me, the first team who's working directly with me, you know, they would basically uh, uh, copy or kind of like, you know, they would automatically get into that value system. But not necessarily, it happens down the line, down the line, down the line, always. Right, sure. And that's why while you grow, it's important to have values, behaviors aligned and at the same point of time, make sure that your performance and your uh, recruitment reflects the same. At the same point of time, in terms of recruitment, we look at two things uh, very importantly. One is uh, your competency, which is very important. And the at the other hand, we look at the character of a person. Sure. And sometimes we have found people who are brilliant in terms of competency, but not in terms of character. Mm. And that is something that doesn't work out. We are absolutely not a hire and fire company at all. Uh, but the only two times when people get fired in a company is when there is a lot of politics or when they're spreading too much negativity or basically kind of like, you know, when the performance is completely not up to the mark. Uh, and I mean, we uh, see right now we're small. While we scale up much more, we'll find out like, you know, whether we can control politics or how. But we're aiming to that. I mean, I just give an example. For example, I don't know if you know this company called Reliance. It's one of the biggest companies in India. And uh, uh, Mukesh Amani is the owner of the company. I mean, he himself is a very aggressive person and that shows in his company. Nice. Uh, whereas uh, Mr. Ratan Tata of Tata's is a very sustainable, like, you know, nice, slow-going, but Softer. properly going person. That shows in his company. I see. Similarly, it... it Politics and values are always, most of the time, top down. If, uh, like, you know, you bring some certain kind of culture, uh, like, you know, uh, it is going to happen in your company. Mm. Uh, and uh, we make sure that kind of, like, you know, we are equally responsible or accountable if we are making somebody else accountable in the company. Easily said that done. Yeah. But uh, we really try a little bit for that. How did you learn this, Hamal? Like, you know, you, you mentioned you've gone through that MBA from a marketing perspective. How did you learn about culture and values and recruitment and, you know, team growth? And how, where did that knowledge come from? I'll be very honest. Uh, I mean, uh, I did my MBA because, like, you know, I really love uh, kind of brands, understanding stuff about them. And uh, I have been a salesperson in my mind, like, you know, 
uh, if you ask me something about sales, I have a few formulas which I can kind of definitely share with you later. But at the same point of time, uh, uh, human resource is something that I'm very passionate towards. I mean, I basically have gone ahead and uh, I am a uh, uh, certified counselor, by the way. Uh, and because that was, again, something which was something that liberated me more than anything else. And uh, hence, in my first company, Freedom Financial Planners, what ended up happening was that the company which are had left and uh, uh, they needed someone at that point of time. I automatically filled in the shoe without the asking for it. I started taking initiatives in, uh, in no time. I did not mention this, but I was the, in one and a half year, I was head of HR and head of marketing both. And then wow. financial planners from a four people team and I joined was around 175 people at that point of time. Uh, so that's been the journey. And from there, uh, I mean, there was this state conference which had happened in India where I, uh, like, you know, heard Tony Shea from Zappos and he's completely responsible for making me fall in love with company culture. All right. Interesting. So you, you mentioned um, um, earlier in the conversation, you used the word mentor. Uh, is that yeah. something that you have in as a formal process? Do you have someone that you meet with on a regular basis, talk about the business and grow alongside them? Or is it more of picking heroes in in certain niches and kind of doing what they do? So uh, there is this book I kind of, uh, which is called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I, mean, I have two copies on my shelf. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a reader. And one of the things he says is have a mastermind group, uh, or, uh, like, you know, around you. Mm. And, uh, these mentors are somebody, uh, some of them are kind of like, you no, know, or some, some of them are like my friends, but like, you know, uh, I have learned so much from them. Yeah. That they have been my teachers. I have learned so much from my ex bosses that they've become my teachers and I still keep in touch and consult with them. Uh, so it's not one person, but it's a group of people, nice. uh, that if I'm stuck at any point of time, uh, like, you know, I'll definitely go to them and speak to them, but there's no formal process like that. What about what about uh, business planning and coaching that kind of stuff? Do you have a business coach or somebody that's that's helping you chart the path for Octobuzz, or is that purely your goals and dreams that you're setting out uh, in addition with your wife? Uh, so uh, uh, in terms of business goals, it's something I and my wife are doing it together. But Terrific. at the same point of time, uh, the reason why I switched from uh, like you know marketing and financial planning uh, to social media in an agency was due to a coach. Uh, his mm. name is Gopal Sejpal and uh, a wonderful coach. Uh, he's a Marshall Goldsmith. He's kind of like, you know, Marshall Goldsmith coach. And uh, he was completely responsible kind of like, you know, when it came to helping me out to get answers to my questions or, or rather one thing about coaches that I love is they never give answers. They ask the right questions uh, and like, you know, help us focus and make us accountable to think the answers for them. I think that's the best part about coaching. Nice. So I, I think it's pretty much helped us. And now we have started working with them again. Uh, so we are doing a 360 assessment in terms of leadership from everywhere. We've just started that. Uh, so it's begun where my family members are involved, my clients are involved, my team members are involved, uh, nice. uh, and kind of my friends are involved. Very cool. Awesome. Um, you mentioned before that um, – your you you had that counselling background, and I know that you've yeah. you've been a, a passionate public speaker in in, in groups of entrepreneurs and uh, in in growth areas within within Mumbai within India. What are some of the subjects that you're passionate about? You could stand up on stage right now and talk to a room full of people about. 
well uh, you tell me digital media marketing uh, when it comes to book marketing when it comes to company cultures uh, and when it comes to sales there is a favorite uh, uh, kind of like in a talk that i speak about uh, which is about loss averages uh, so these are a few of the things that i can really speak about i actually that was the one that I, I i it escaped my mind and thank you so much for bringing it up the law of averages I noticed yeah. I was researching, I saw on, on your company site, on your LinkedIn profile, and a few different places, you mentioned the law of averages. What is that to you? How does it work from a mentality point of view? How does it help you sure. keep going with a sales environment? What What's the law of averages to you? Okay, let me make it a little interactive out here. Okay, let me ask you a few questions. Go for it. How many cards, how many cards are there in a pack of cards? 52. How many no, questions? sorry. Is that right? 13, yeah. 52. Right. 52. Yeah. Right. How many aces? Four. Okay. Now imagine I'm a salesperson. Imagine you're a salesperson and you're going knocking door to door. And like, you know, uh, somebody just slams the door in front of you. How will you feel? Will you feel good or bad? Bad, of course. Devastated. Right. If you know this law of averages, uh, it will help you. It will actually make you feel good, genuinely, not just for the sake of it, but it will actually make you feel good and help you in the sales process overall in life also. Uh, so let's get back to cards here. There are four aces, okay? Now, I have put all the cards upside down, like they are folded and they are laid out in front of you, uh, like, you know, randomly. And uh, if you have to find out your four aces, which is the most fastest and the most effective way to find all your four aces? What is the most, what's the fastest way? What is the fastest and the most effective way to find out your four aces? Uh, Turn them all over. Uh, You cannot do that. Sorry. Oh, (laughs) you have to. My bad. Uh, bad. Okay. I I guess uh, it would be just one at a time. Next one, the next one, the next one until I got to the aces. I have asked this question to like, you know, I think a room full of people or more than kind of, I don't know how many hundred people I would have asked this question, but absolute correct answer. Uh, there are only three answers to this. One is probability, right? In which you can like, you know, go completely wrong or completely delayed. Random picking up of cards, which again, kind of you might think, oh, let me pick this. Um, that might waste a lot of time. But the best way is to go on picking one by one by one by one by one. Now imagine you're at the doorstep and that person slammed the door on your face. What did that person do for you? That person, that means that that's not your ace. It's what another is happening card that you've you turned over. To, exactly. You have to actually thank that person because of two things. One, he saved your time. And second thing, he's bringing you closer towards your ace. Mm. So the law of averages basically say this. Out of 50 people you meet, Two people have to have to have to give you the check. That's the law of averages. I mean, the whole idea is that uh, most of the times, kind of like, you no, know, we're working on one or two pitches uh, with clients, and if they go wrong, we feel so bad, and we waste so much of time after that. But uh, fortunately, in uh, like, you know, my case, when if you know the law of averages, you know you haven't done your law of averages. How can you expect that client to kind of like, you no, know, say yes? Wow. And I see what you mean about uh, genuinely feeling good about the ones that say no because it means that you you're just ticking that box. You know, you're ready for the next Absolutely. one. Absolutely, love yeah. it. So, do you do you have that mentality in your own sales team within Octobus? Absolutely. In fact, my uh, recruitment team, which is in house again, uh, are not only on the other side, but you know, recruitment is as good as sales. Uh, 
there too kind of is the same thing that if like now we have to get somebody recruited my question is nothing else my question is was how many people did you speak to today easy no other there no. are there are no other um metrics no. to measure that's the one yeah how many people did you speak to today because that will define kind of so i'll tell you when uh, and uh, in my college days i did an internship uh, that's where i learned this uh, small technique about law of averages and then i perfected it and read a lot about it later but uh, you know whenever i used to go on the field and i used to actually go knocking doors uh, for my college internship and uh, uh, you know when i came back they never asked me kind of like you no know, or anything else but the same question that how many people did you meet sometimes you know i used to I feel very good uh, when I used to just meet four people and like you know some people are very difficult like you know nobody could crack it but you know what I could crack them and they would laugh at me they said stupid you could have done much more sale if you wouldn't have spent too much time before kind of like you know closing that one customer you have two sales today you could have at least got five sales today if you would have met 200 people and it was not about the it wasn't about the closing two out of four your closing ratio wasn't important it was about how many people you could meet to actually get them into Absolutely. the top of their funnel amazing so that was the system that was the process wow really cool and that set up a good foundation for you moving forward especially into an entrepreneur type role how uh, i i mentioned the sales team before himal what's your break up um, in terms of staffing like how how what percentage are sales what percentage are are digital creative specialists you know how's the company broken up at the moment so uh currently in terms of sales it's only me and my wife my partner mm-hmm. uh besides that my aims uh, my account managers are also in the sales so uh, i mean they are basically into helping clients grow their business and at the same point of time upselling and if they find out a new lead through the client because uh it's a the right aha moment kind of like you know when you ask for a reference and you know they can get those leads out there and then there is a team which is into designing mm-hmm. uh i have my art director who's been in the industry since the last 28 years now mm-hmm. and uh, he leads the team and he's like the ugwe from uh like you know kung fu panda where he's oh, yeah. the wise one he's, <laughs> yeah. so he he's one of the most uh, like you know wisest people in a company and uh, the design team has is a mix of illustrators animators and people kind of like you know who are specifically into ux ui too mm. on the other side we have a creative team which has a bunch of copywriters social media experts led by a creative supervisor and a creative director okay. and uh, then we have two people dedicated into hr even being a small company we have uh because culture is important you need those culture managers out there mm-hmm. and uh, human capital team has two people uh we have a cfo and we have a uh, a person who's into accounts and finance and uh, we have one person who's uh, a multi dexterous person who's a man friday who basically manages our office uh, runs around for us and at the same point of time uh being uh, since pandemic is going on like you know we're all working from home he's learning new skills he's helping us in seo now nice Sorry, it would be to mention the performance team yeah nice nice very cool it would be um I, I, it would be ignorant of me not to talk about the pandemic just for a moment how has yeah. the how has the pandemic affected uh octobus like what's been the changes what have you seen happen within the company in these last 3 months so when when i message you i said that i'll be very honest and like you know i'll share the only thing i said before coming here was hope i can help as many agencies as possible yeah and uh, uh you know uh, some people it might seem like you know made up but we really are passionate and believe in it uh but at the same point of time uh 
uh, to answer your question, I mean, it's a very mixed bag. Are we in red right now? Absolutely, yes. Uh, but at the same point of time, uh, we're working hard uh, to kind of like you know, pitch more. The law of averages has changed here. Besides 50 is to 2, it has become 100 is to 2. Yeah. Uh, because that's how the industry is right now. That's the change which is there. Uh, but at the same point of time, yeah, a lot of clients have been affected. Uh, I mean, we have some big retail clients that we work with. And like, you know, uh, 500, 600 of their stores are closed. Uh, one of our clients basically internationally has filed bankruptcy. Uh, I mean, so all of that is going to happen. But at the yeah. same point of time, we onboarded a couple of clients at this point of time. We work with Adita Villa. We, work, we onboarded Norton India at this point of time for the performance marketing impact. So... Uh, there are a couple of good clients that we have onboarded right now too at the same point of time. Uh, and uh, we are making sure of three things. We are making sure of, uh, like, you know, uh, one, uh, being sustainable and secure at this point of time, mm -hmm. making sure our team members are safe. Uh, in fact, we've already sent a mail to them that till October, even if the lockdown opens up, so nobody's coming to office till then at least. Yeah. Uh, the reasons were two. Uh, one is for their safety and one is for other safety because when you go out on the roads, you're crowding the place yeah. uh, when you have the luxury to work from home and the others don't. Yeah. And the third part is uh, uh, engagement where we are making sure that, uh, like, you know, the social isolation part doesn't bite them too much yeah. uh, because that is also key to manage kind of people go through depression at this point of time while they are locked inside their homes. Mm. One of the things that we've been doing is every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, basically we have a, a dedicated, uh, a fitness instructor that comes on Zoom kind of to, uh, like, you know, work out with uh, well, all uh, employees and their families. I mean, it's a choice who is able to join or not, but that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Have you had a, have you had a good turnout? Time, every, have you had a good turnout? From the, they, they come to the fitness session? Uh, so I, uh, we have two kinds of fitness sections. The sessions Monday and Friday, we have functional fitness. Mm -hmm. Wednesday, we have uh, yoga. Uh, so most of the times, kind of like, you know, we have a, uh, in the beginning, we had a 25% turnout. Now the percentage is growing. Good part is in that 25% turnout we are having. Families kind of like, you know, being a part That's of great. it. And, uh, like, we know my, my creative director's father joined in and that was great. I mean, uh, like, you know, having everybody, uh, like, you know, inclusive and uh, doing these workouts is fun. Nice. What would you, if you knew the pandemic was coming? If we can go back to let's say October, November, December last year, and right. and we could we could say to you then that this complete madness and craziness was going to happen, you know, come March this year. What would you do differently to prepare? How would you change your agency and your approach to prepare for what we're going through now? I've never thought about this, mm. uh, to be honest, but. Um... I think uh, what we would just do is uh, make sure we are financially uh, stable. We would ramp up our financial reserves and surplus much more. Mm. Uh, at the same point of time, we would have planned in advance in terms of like, you know, specifically some kind of data privacy measures, which took us a lot of time to implement later, or kind of like, you know, uh, at the same point of time, uh, we would have planned uh, a larger sales team at this point in time because what you just need right now, like I told you, the law of averages has gone up. Simple thing is we're hiring salespeople. We're hiring a few people right now and uh, salespeople for sure because, you know, they are very important at this point of time. I would have yeah. ramped up the number of my clients and I would have said definitely from an agency point of view, if you talk about being selfish, I would have 
really looked at the right kind of industries who wouldn't possibly get affected or would be pandemic proof and like you know aimed at them to get flanked yeah yeah it's a, it's a good thought i've i've talked to a few different agency owners um and one of the things that's interesting is those with the the industries that are pandemic proof in this example um are spending more because they're finding especially in a digital marketing space that the the cost per click the advertising cost cost per acquisition has actually gone down uh because there's less competition for that click and there's more people on the platforms there's more people on social media there's more people on youtube and more people on facebook so the, their actual cost per acquisition has gone down so a lot of these pandemic proof in inverted commas businesses uh, are seeing amazing results, um, you know, and of course it's devastating to understand uh, your client with bankruptcy and loot closing 600 shops and, and, you know, that is a complete devastation for any business and I feel for the owners and the staff and everybody. Right. But at the same time, there are businesses out there that really are seeing growth Absolutely. like they've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, we have been working with some clients in the healthcare industry and some people in the SaaS industry. Uh, they are like, you know, business has gone around from 2x to 4x and now one of our businesses is at 7x. I mean, it's wow. crazy. What we could have done in a month for them, it's minimum, like, you know, double or triple fold. Wow, that's, that is that is amazing. That's incredible. So um, uh, taking this magic crystal ball that we said, if we could understand, you know, the pandemic was coming in October, what do you feel personally is, that, is, is in store for our next, say, three to six months towards the end of 2020? I mean, I'll be very honest. I mean, uh, till the nobody knows when the vaccine is going to come, but no, sure. I think till that comes and things stabilize a little more, uh, it's going to be a little uncertain, and we'll have to deal with that uncertainty. Very important, uh, which again something kind of like you no, know, we learned very late in uh, like you no know, entrepreneurship journey, cash flows, financial analysis, very very important. I mean, yeah. currently we have. Uh, our PNLs going up to employee level, at category level, and client level PNLs is what we have. That is really important. Kind of, it really helps us in taking the business to the next level, setting up foundation. The second thing is kind of uh, uh, like you know what we need to do right now is definitely kind of like you know work on more pitches, approach more customers. I think these are just the two things which we can do and take care of the teams at this point of time. I mean, uh, they've always been there for you and. Uh, You've yeah. been there for them also. But at the same point of time, this is the time when there are a few families dependent upon you. Yeah. Uh, so unless the performance, sorry, is a very big issue with someone, we definitely kind of like, you know, making sure that the team is with us. That they're okay and that they're, that they're looked yeah. after. So uh, I have a, right. Hema, I'm so grateful for your time, by the way. And thank you so much for the, for the chance to do this with you. I have a, I, let, me, let me say it this way. I have a chess move question for you and a challenge and it's a question that i've put to a few agency owners and growth specialists so i want to see what your answers are in this in this challenge here's the here's the scenario let's 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 say that uh you know the vaccines come through and and you know we've started to see some sort of settling in the world we're back to the way things were and the way things we know let's say now that we took you and your wife together and we took you from mumbai we took you from octobuzz and we we put you in a foreign city and you had to start mm-hmm. again, completely start your agency again, completely go through that growth again, but you have your knowledge, all right, but you don't have your contacts. What would be, this is the chess part, right? What would be the first 
say three, four, five things that you would do to get started in that new environment and make that success happen as quickly as possible? Okay, so I would use social media for ourselves first. Okay. I would definitely kind of like, you know, create some, uh, uh, start creating a good network online out there. Second thing, I would start creating good offline networks. I mean, there are organizations which I really love, like BNI Business Network International. There are very interesting other organizations and associations which are there for entrepreneurship. I would definitely immediately join them because there, you know, kind of like, you know, the networking potential is nearly immediate. And uh, the objective at that point of time wouldn't be to uh, just sell or get clients. Uh, the objective would be to showcase good work so that you start getting more clients. We would definitely kind of like, you know, even consider doing a few projects uh, if we are very much interested in them for no cost also for pro bono basis also to make them kind of like, you know, uh, case studies for us in that market and then take it to the next level because I think work speaks for itself. Uh, yeah. Whatever you do, how much of you sell, if you look at longevity, your work speaks for itself. That's what we believe in. So okay. I think these are the few steps that we would take. Okay. So step number one, we're going to network. We're going to create and yeah. interact with social networks personally online. We're going to network with some of these amazing organizations that are offline. And I, I acknowledge BNI and, you know, there's BX and there's other um, um, business networking right, environments. Right. If you're stuck in a place, you can Google and find the networks closest to you. So that's, that, that's a starting point. Yeah. Uh, move number two, we're going to create some great relationships by doing good work for people in those spaces and using that as a, as a case study, as a springboard for the next step. So now we have those things in place. You've got your networks going on. You've got some meetings happening. You've done some good work with some local clients. What's next from there? Give me two more um, moves. What's, what's, in, what's your next two moves? Okay, sure. So uh, the next move is go lean, as lean as possible. See, right now, I mean, we are very proud to say that we are a completely liability-free company, completely bootstrapped till now. Uh, and one of the reasons is that we've gone lean. Uh, going lean is very important at this point of time specifically uh, so that you can kind of wait out that period and be comfortable uh, and like, you know, not really be stressed about money at that point of time so that we can wait for the right kind of clients to come on board. Otherwise, like, you know, then, see, everybody is not your client and you're not everybody's agency. So you need to wait out for the right kind of clients at that point of time and keep working on the process. Uh, keep working on the law of averages at that point of time I mean, when it comes to sales, that's that's my uh, like no period answer because I know that has always worked. There's no way it won't work. Nice. And then it's just a, a it's just a matter of tapping that law of averages. If you're if, the Absolutely. more people you can speak to, the more sales you're going to have coming through the door. Um, right. I meant to ask you, Himal, I, I wanted to uh, wind back a little bit. Um, and thank you for that, sure. by the way. Your your answers, so that you know, your answers are 100% consistent with the other agency owners and CEOs and founders that I've spoken to and asked that same question, networking, working to, to create, uh, you know, a good foundation, springboarding from that with, with, uh, you know, constant communication and, and getting the word out that that's just the next thing. The only right. one then would be bringing the, the people in, uh, you know, br- building your team to be able to, I, I think of that as almost the final, the final move in that. Sorry, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely. Able. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, building that team is very important. Fantastic. So what I was going to dig back into. I, I, and, and, still, I, I still thought I could go back to my team in India. Nice. <laughs> Outsource it back to them. That's a great way to go. Um, I, I, again, I'm conscious of your time. I meant to ask you before when we were talking about uh, having to learn the skills of being a business leader, 
One of the things that you mentioned was you, you used a word which was processes. Do you have almost like a, a handbook for Octobuzz? Do you have a set of processes that define every element of action within the company or is it a little bit more fluid than that? It is absolutely fluid. Uh, do we aim to get there? But somewhere in between. See, it shouldn't. So one thing that I've learned about processes is processes needs to be enablers, not stoppers. Nice. So can you, can you explain that a little be, bit more? Sure. So basically sometimes kind of like, you know, we put these processes uh, which stop people from, uh, like, you know, like you rightly use the word, being fluid yeah. or taking calls beyond. So you basically create processes which are necessary uh, on, like, you know, a cultural level, on a value level. And then basically uh, you leave it up to people. And, and uh, what we are trying to achieve, the matrix processes for matrix are very, very important. Again, something that we... Uh, like, you know, learned over the period of time that we are not in the business of getting likes and engagement. It's bullshit. I mean, even when you're only doing social media for people, the objective is how do we grow their business yeah. and try to understand the objective. Most of the clients, let me be very honest to you and tell you that most of the clients do not know the objective themselves sometimes. Wow. For social media, they have some kind of budget they'll give you and they say, do this. But at the same time, when you dig deeper, when you like, you know, speak to them you come to know okay for some people it's perception change is their objective and then you come then you basically identify okay how to measure that the other point some people is that i want to grow my business and hence mm -hmm. i'm doing social media at the end when you ask three or four questions to anybody three or four whys to anybody you'll get a right answer in terms of objective and majorly yeah. everybody's answer will go towards growing my business Ultimately, so, so no matter what they say, ultimately. no matter what they actually, how they, how they bring that across, the goal is to get more customers, to grow the business, to yeah, always. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, I mean, growing business might be uh, getting more customers for some people. Some people, it might be getting more recall value, more market share, whatever. I mean, everybody has a different uh, goal. Hmm. But identifying that and then kind of like, you know, uh, uh, having matrix towards it. I'll give you an example. There was this... Uh, I cannot name the brand, but there was a very huge uh, brand, uh, like you know, which was a uh, which had a couple of hundred stores, and uh, they basically the CEO basically came to me and to, to, his objective was very interesting. By the way, he came to me and said that Hemal, uh, you have the whole digital medium to look at. Uh, how can I? Uh, and they were not even online uh, in terms of they didn't have an e-commerce presence. They were only offline stores, and very big brand. And he asked me this question, Himal, I'm getting an X lakh people in X lakh footfall in my stores every day. How can I double that using digital? Now, like, you know, I'm like, okay, fine. If you had an e-commerce store, it was very easy. And when we dug in deep, we came to know that like, you know, okay, if we change the perception of people who are walking by the store and not coming in the store, if we understand who those audiences and try to change the perception that is the goal. Identifying the goal is very important. Most of the time, I think one of the biggest mistakes that kind of like, you know, uh, social media marketers or digital marketers uh, get into is that uh, they, if somebody gives you a brief, you directly start thinking of ideas. Right. I think 80% of uh, your ideas uh, can come from good, a good audit, good data, good analysis. It's just like the, like, you know, iceberg theory that like, you know, the maximum part of it is like, under you know, below surface. the water yeah, under the surface. So uh, I think that is how we go across. And those are the, like, you know, milestones or that is the kind of process that we said that, okay, fine. Like, you know, 
this is the how the flow should it be but otherwise we keep it fluid yeah because if you otherwise kind of like you know tighten it up okay like you know that you need to do this only and that only we've done that and we failed nice okay so you you've run into that as being a blocker and not allowing yep. you to actually create what you need to for for the client and and for that experience interesting you right. said then um that one of the the mistakes that digital marketers make consistently is they get a brief and they immediately start well let's put up an ad and let's do that and let's do that yeah when, when a client gives you a brief um or or gives that brief to to whoever's handling it within octobars what what questions do they ask of the client so the client says here's my brief and as a, we own a software company so i have my my uh, my programmers all the time when i give them a brief they say whoa 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 hang on when you say this right. what do you actually mean so from a digital marketing point of view how do you handle that with a client they've given you a brief they've said we want to do this what's your process to 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 find out the real answer with that client See honestly most of the times we have failed at getting a proper brief from the client 80% plus <laughs> I'm not surprised uh yeah i mean that that's but then like you know we've accepted that that's an industry wide issue mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can't really do much about that so what we've ended up doing nowadays is that while we have a call with them we try and speak to them about a couple of things we try and get some answers but now what we've started doing is we create the brief document for uh-huh. the client okay and then we give it to them for approval so that gives them more insight and at the same point of time that gives them more confidence in us as an agency that you know what at the brief level they worked so much and gotten back to us so we start like you know we do thorough audit uh, like you know before we work on the brief document we work on like you know the client's voice uh, what the target audience is and we start filling those things up uh, after the first call or the second call we send it to the client they approve it and then we go ahead so i think that's something that has worked for us because otherwise kind of like you no know, waiting endlessly for the right brief to come for yeah. the client that's never going to happen so you're starting that with initiative i love it i absolutely love it himal thank you again for the for the opportunity to come and and uh, to spend you know 60 minutes with you and find out how you've grown the octobuzz family how you've put you know that sustainability into place how you've looked at different opportunities and and you know grown the infrastructure internally i think it's absolutely fascinating and i know that our listeners are going to be very very grateful if uh, if they were to uh, to follow you what's the best way to to find out what you're doing to find out what octobuzz is doing what are the platforms that you are prolific on and how can they keep in touch with you they can pretty much follow us on our website which is www.octobuzz.com and uh, on facebook youtube instagram wherever uh, the same handle goes facebook.com/octobuzz or instagram.com/octobuzz fantastic and we'll make sure that we've got and, those links as well one more interesting well. thing is that it's o k t o b u z z otherwise people at least start putting o c t o it's O-K-T-O-B-U-Z-Z. i saw that it's like it's like the german uh, um oktoberfest okay oktoberfest That's it. Okay, Tio. B-U-Z-Z.com. And we'll make sure that we've got the, the links there underneath the show notes as well. Himal, thank you again so much for the opportunity to come and chat with you to understand the inner workings of Octobuzz and, and how you've grown that agency. Uh, my hat's off to you, man. I can't wait to, to hear what's happening, what's coming next. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Walter. I want to take, I really want to thank you for inviting me on the show. At the same point, what I've seen so many people think, about this that like you know I want to have a podcast I want to speak to like you know entrepreneurs there's a lot of talk around but very few people end up doing stuff and I'm really happy that you're doing this and you're adding to all agency owners like us uh, our knowledge 
thank you so much for taking that initiative, Walter. Thank you so much. Thanks, my friend. I really appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Himal. He is an absolute legend. You can touch base. I've got the, the details of Octobuzz in the show notes. Uh, you can hear that he is a true gentleman, a counselor at heart, and the, the, uh, the Octo mind behind Octobuzz. Uh, again, my friend, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Walter. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.